When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Screen Talk. Uh, this is Ann Thompson, editor-at-large of IndieWire. And this week, um, replacing Eric Cohn, who's on vacation, well-deserved, is our box office editor, Tom Brueggemann, uh, from Palm Springs, California. Tom, welcome to Screen Talk. I know you've been on with Eric before. This is the first time we've done it together. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, um, so box office editor, uh, in the pandemic, uh, you have gone on to become something more <laughs> than a box office editor. Explain, if you uh, will, a little bit of what you're covering now in order to uh, keep us informed on how movies are doing. How do we measure how a movie is performing today? Uh, well, first of all, the good news is there is box office to report. Between March and late August, September last year, when uh, until uh, Tenet opened up, uh, or just before that, uh, I stopped doing my Sunday column because you know it was ridiculous to report uh, the minimal stuff that was going. So that that's that's key that that box office, uh, uh, which is out there, which is there are four wide movies. Uh, opening up this Friday, which is a very high number any time of the year. Uh, so there's a lot to report on that. Beyond that, though, um, you know, the issues are those those are micro things. The macro things are what the future for theaters is, what the future for releases are, how distributors are adapting to uh, changes, uh, how, um, you know, th the specialized side of it is it's a completely unanswered riddle, which we're going to get a lot more this fall post festivals when when the award season begins uh that's been very sketchy so far with an awful lot of films going streaming uh almost immediately uh, yeah i have a question um, there was a movie that was a huge hit at what was a virtual pandemic uh, version of Sundance 2021, and that was Coda, the one that sold to Apple for $25 million. And it ended up um, coming out in theaters and streaming at the same time, um, just a week, you know, just this past weekend. How did it do? How do we measure how it did? Um, how do you think it affects the uh, Oscar hopes for what is actually a typical, totally, in my view, totally down the middle, uh, perfect Oscar movie in an ordinary world where you would be in theaters building up word of mouth and and having a theatrical hit. Um, and, and this weekend, it just seemed like there was a lot more attention being paid to yet another HBO series, mm -hmm. uh, White Lotus. Um, talk about that. Well, uh, you know, if the comparison of White Lotus is interesting. But as, as I've been thinking about this, there is actually a literal apple to apple comparison in terms of response, because Apple had Ted Lasso as a, as a one of their highest responded original series. And the honest answer is we have 
Apple is, not, you know, as, as some distributors, all distributors have the right to block reporting of grosses. Uh, before Netflix started doing that, except for one week awards qualifications, nobody ever blocked grosses. Uh, but now it's become commonplace among Netflix, Amazon, uh, uh, with Annette, Apple, with Coda, Fox Searchlight did it, not Fox Searchlight did it, with uh, uh, Nomadland uh, when it was on Hulu, that we don't see actual grosses. So the only way I can figure out, apart from calling up uh, uh, exhibitors and asking them what they did, is that a lot of theaters have uh, pre-reserved seats, and literally I have to go on the laptop and check uh, the Landmark or the Angelica website at the time of the showtime and count up the number of seats that have been sold to get some sort of idea, which is, you know, beyond antiquated. Uh, and the <laughs> results, analog. <laughs> I mean, and they were on two screens each. So I mean, like on Saturday, I didn't do it the whole weekend. I did it on Saturday and I literally made out a list of showtimes and set my phone to alarm five minutes before every showtime to, you know, catch up and get a reading of it. And I, I did get a sense of, you know, probably both theaters did around five or six thousand for the weekend, which is very low for what their their potential is normally. But how far is it's how well is it's doing on Apple? You know, where most of the viewership is going to be, where most of the buzz is going to be, we don't know. We don't. You know, there are outside uh, analysts who do you know weeks after report on these things uh, with uncertainty of how accurate they are. Uh, and uh, the other way is to find out if there's an uptick in subscriptions which apple hasn't released so we're sort of reduced to anecdotal and social media stuff and as i said there's an apple to apple comparison uh ted lasso got a lot of attention uh on social media after you know it started playing and started developing momentum uh i've seen virtually nothing on coda uh it's you know like it doesn't you know again i Nobody I would say has... there was some there was at least you know me I'm on Twitter and and Facebook yeah. and and you know there was some um Friday Thursday Friday before the weekend kind of uh stuff and they did do some publicity. I mean there were articles about it, interviews Absolutely. Running. Yeah, know, there was plenty of attention being paid. Um, how you measure um the buzz I, I would say there's no comparison if you've got um of a series like like White Lotus, just uh, uh, unfolding week after week, building momentum, mystery show. You know what is the reveal in the last episode? Well, I still haven't seen it, so don't tell me. <laughs> but you know, you can see it on on Twitter that there's just a huge amount of of conversation around that. But I don't think a, any indie movie uh, with no stars, except Marley Maitland, um, an Oscar winner, so she counts as as someone with a name. I don't think any uh, movie like coda could compete with that well you know the thing is you know let, let's flash back to a year and a half ago right before theaters shut down uh end of february what was the big event in film at the end of february the oscars what won the oscar parasite there is a huge amount of social media chat of that for months as that film went along that was an sure. active vibrant film and and you know that that interest along with its very successful theatrical run uh all over the which, world i might add it was global yeah it was yeah yeah i mean it, it it had a buzz it had an excitement and there have been films i mean once upon a time in hollywood a couple summers ago i mean it's 
that film was only two years ago. That had a huge amount of chat. There are, which was obviously a wide release film, not a specialized film. With a lot of marketing on top of with, it. With a I lot mean, of marketing also, on top Also, I think Apple was spending money on, on Coda. I think we just have to, to recognize the limitations. This is what we're talking about with the specialty market. The limitations yeah. of a movie like Coda needing that kind of week by week by week buildup in theaters. Yeah. Yeah, and, and just to sort of, it's a legitimizing, and box office does play a role in that. There's no question that that when films are released, you know, in the awards period, as somebody who writes about box office, I'm very conscious of the trajectory that, 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 that the way films open up platform and then adding cities and adding more cities and going wide at some point, it's done partially to maximize you know, the box office and to get the best return financially on the film. But it's also partially to build up a momentum. You know this, you're, you're on, as much on top of this as I am in, in, in observing this, uh, uh, that there, there, there's a relationship with the voters and the public that, that works. And nobody's, you know, Netflix struggled with this, uh, with their releases, uh, uh, you know they've they've spent huge amounts of money on it, uh, and they had the goods with. And they've bought theaters in New and, York and, and, and LA. Yeah, yeah, and and they paid to get you know, in some cases to uh, rent theaters that might otherwise be reluctant to play. They made it financially. They gave the incentives, from what I understand, for a lot of theaters to play the films. But they also had the goods. They had the goods with you know they they they, they had you know Roma. They had uh, the Irishman. Marriage they had story. films. Yeah, yeah, they the, they had films uh, that which actually that were, did business. They yeah, some the, of those you, films. You look at last year where they were unable to really get much of a theater play. Uh, did Chaswick? Uh, uh, did he not win Best Actor because it didn't have that much of a theater presence? It just had. I this think theater. that didn't help him. But they yeah, also I, I, they also chose. I mean, if we want to dive into this particular uh, detour, they also chose to to uh, reveal their films in during the pandemic fall when right. um, when other people couldn't be in theaters really and right. and and they they were almost premature in a way by the yeah, time I mean, the Oscar conversation came around where Nomadland and and the father especially picked up a lot of steam at the very end right right I mean there, you know the more things change the more they uh, stay the same sometimes last scene uh, gives Correct. something a uh, a uh, uh, and, and the Oscars were very late last year. Not Let's talk say. about what Netflix is doing this year, which I find interesting. Again, they have a full slate of films. They've got the Jane Campion, which they seem to be playing at every festival they can get. And this is because Netflix understands, as these um, awards uh, mongers go, they understand that getting that valuable word of mouth uh, from, I mean, remember, the father played at Sundance and, and got that kind of buzz right at the beginning. People saw how it played uh, in a, in a theater, so so you actually have uh, Netflix taking um, every festival opportunity with Jane Campion and some of their other you know the the power uh, of the dog with 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 all the opportunities that they can to get that kind of buzz going from festivals. They even go to I'm sure they're going to do the same thing they did the year before the pandemic, where they went to a lot of the of the uh, regional festivals as well. So we'll see we'll see if that helps them uh, get that kind of attention. Um, but the next conversation, um, did you? Uh, what is your sense of how 
Reminiscence. Uh, this is the latest theater uh, release uh, day and date from Warner Brothers uh, with uh, HBO Max. It's a it's a Hugh Jackman movie. It's from Lisa Joy, the the uh, one of the co-creators of Westworld. Part of the uh, she's a collaborator with uh, Chris Nolan's brother, um, Jonathan Nolan. So so what is going on uh, with this movie? Is it getting a big uh, push? Is it looking like it'll it'll do some business? What's your sense? Well, it opens up uh, this week, uh, again, among four wide-release films. Uh, it opens up same day yeah. on HBO Max, as will the rest of the you new know, artist films for the rest of the year, including Goon and the Matrix. Uh, uh, and so it's got that, although you know some films have opened up very well the same date, although they tended to be those that go for a younger, uh, uh, you know, more F9 uh type of audience than the the audience appeal that reminiscence has uh the expectation is that it's going to be a sub 10 million dollar weekend opening uh which is uh, you know the general expectation on on, on most of the things it, it, it appears that uh free guys second week with maybe a 50 percent fall off would be the number one film uh you know, it's it's going to be interesting because it's it's an original. It's more adult or oriented. I think this and uh, Cry Macho, uh, Clint Eastwood's film next month, which you know never underestimate the the ability of him to draw an audience in you know, one venue or another. Between uh, the coasts is his. Yeah, appeal. yeah. I, that 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 that. Uh, these are going to be interesting tests. But it's also tests. adult appeal. The question adult is, appeal, this is which, where you're heading, is that, who's that, coming that, to the theaters? Right, which which gets to the point that I think, you know, everything these days, you know, as as Bob Chapek said in the Disney uh, uh, earnings call, in, you know, partially misunderstood uh, uh, in his reference to, uh, uh, to the next Marvel film, is, is that, Every every opening is a data point. Everything's an experiment. Everything is being tested. And Warner's is going next year to what they say is going to be a 45-day delay before it goes on HBO Max. Uh, and with the assumption that that means that's 45 days without any PVOD or other uh, uh, alternatives. But didn't people make that assumption with Paramount as well? They did, which wasn't I looked back on, the, on the wording on both of those. And the wording seemed to be a bit more explicit with, with Warner's that it'll be a 45 day window. Uh but you know nothing, everything's in in in, in you know it's, it's sand these days. But the sense is that Warner's, you know, the downside for theaters with the 45 delay is it would appear that films like Reminiscence and Prime Macho going forward. Uh, I'm not sure what Clint would think about it, but I'm not sure that Clint in 91 is going to be making any more movies. Uh, that these are films that, you know, Warners may say, the theaters, we're going to HBO Max. Y you know, if you want to play them, you can play them, but this doesn't fall under the uh, heading of the films that uh, we're going to have theater exclusive. Uh, and and they are, they've already announced that they're making 10, 12 original films a year for hbo max and you know reminiscence i looked up as a budget something like 68 million dollars i'm not sure that that makes sense without some degree of theatrical uh but yeah so, so what i'm going to be looking for this weekend on reminiscence as a as a warner brothers film is how much it does how much it would have done under normal circumstances 
uh, and what impact this, this may have on mortgages in the future. This is a movie. I, I went to see the premiere and it was fun. It was fun to go to the Chinese and it was like stringent safety protocols and everything. And everybody was masked. Um, and it was a nice big screen. It was great to see. It was a good looking movie, kind of a dystopian Miami flooded uh, kind of, you know, a lot of world building going on. But what it is, in effect, is it's a very Blade Runner-y kind of homage to film noir with a narrator and a and a story and 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 it's it's uh it, it's like taking the pub the, the the private eye concept and turning it into this guy who who retrieves people's memories from a tank and and solves crimes that way and and it could have been good <laughs> if it maybe if Ridley Scott had directed it you know what I mean it, it Lisa Joy is a first-time filmmaker this is a very very she, she she wrote the script and it's really quite clever the premise but it's it's a very high uh, degree of difficulty uh, for any director and and it's just so old-fashioned it's just so resolutely um, you know with its feet in the past that I can't imagine it ever would have been commercial really that kind of film don't you think Tom yeah yeah and again that's it's it's one of the things that's going on with movies right now it's been in this direction for years but it's just extreme at this point is that and this was a big deal with free guy opening up and doing pretty well this weekend, uh, certainly better than expected. Uh, maybe 60% of what Ready Player One, which is the best comp I could find, did a couple of years ago. Uh, Big Spielberg but, you know, movie, it, bigger scale, yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a comparable thing. The, the uh, Free Guy cost $100 million. Uh, its big deal with the film was that it is uh, – non-franchise it's standalone it's uh, uh it, it, you know somewhat creative concept to it and there was a response to it because i think that that's what's what's part of the audience right now is is responding to that you know certainly it also with the, looks like it's fun it looks yeah, escapist yeah. i yeah. really want to see it now yeah it's 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 uh uh you you don't assume you know what you're going to see when you come in which used to be the way most movies were now you know, between how much is given away in trailers and how much things are building on, you know, you know, sticking to the formulas as much as possible. Uh, you know, a lot of there's less unexpected in movies than there used to be. And with that, because one of the reasons why streamers and series may be thriving more as opposed to uh, uh, the anticipation and excitement for a wide range of movies. Uh, that doesn't mean that that might change. Uh, I think she and I mean it's Eternals both could could, could be stand out uh, 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 Marvel films ahead uh, uh, and, and and shift the narrative around, but uh, 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 you know we still but aren't people, certain. A lot of the reporting that I read in the trades about the the box office, which is considerably lower than it used to be, you know, it just is. And I and when I talk to distributors, they just even the specialty ones, they just say, we're we're doing our comps, you know, based on a much lower expectation of performance. That's just the way it is now. You know, they're just not expecting to get as much. Um, if 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 you if you look at at at, at box office now, it, it, you just don't. Exp why isn't a COVID uh, understood to be a component in why the numbers aren't higher? Well, the, the, the couple of things. One is I am not convinced 
that there hasn't been a fundamental lowering of people's interest in going to movie theaters. And this is going to sound incredibly bearish and not what, you know, people at, you know, CinemaCon, the, the, the movie convention next Which week want to hear. next week, yeah. Uh, uh, I think there may be, we, that, that grosses may be, Yes, there is some COVID impact, and certainly for for adult films, and now maybe starting to cut in for kids' films. I think for for Free Guy or films like that, it may have grossed not that below what its potential was at the moment, and I'm not sure that that potential is necessarily guaranteed to come back. Uh, the problem, what would I do with box office? And I, I do this weekly now on a on a four week. Uh, over a four-week period, seeing what the comparison is and the gross is to the same four-week period uh, two summers ago, the last time there were full theaters. And at this point, the last four weeks, it was about 50%. Uh, and part of the reason is films aren't grossing as much as they used to. Uh, with the uncertainty of whether it's going to return, I don't know if I'm right that we're close to the maximum. Uh, the other thing is just fewer films being released. And that's a huge issue. Uh uh, Hotel Transylvania, the, the fourth one that was coming out in October, being sold to Amazon, is a big deal. Uh, yeah. The th- three previous films uh, combined domestic gross just under $500 million, and the first one was the lowest of them. It's been I'm, growing. I'm still upset about, about Luca. I'm still upset that they took a Pixar movie, Disney, and put it straight to streaming. That one, yeah, and, and, and at this least is, go to PVOD. At least make it an even playing field. So the, you can the, choose to pay right, right. Now, so, so the issue is, you know, and the, you know, there's one of the most reliable audiences for years. And, and actually, when theaters started reopening, were family films. And now... You know, there's been with the Disney stuff, with uh, uh, a number of films last year, uh, with with Hotel Transylvania. Now you're getting, you know, families out of the habit of taking kids to movie theaters. And, you know, if if that gets disrupted, there's going to be a few years of kids that lose that initial contact. Apart from the fact that theaters need to have as many films released in theaters as possible, uh, irrespective of what their alternatives are. Uh, and when you take a film up, you know, you're talking a you know, hundred million dollars, maybe that this under current circumstances would have grossed less, but that film might've grossed a hundred million dollars in a right. period where theaters need every single dollar they could possibly get. Uh, yeah. so no, I wish, I wish, I, I mean, CinemaCon is going to be a great frustration for me because I've, for various reasons, having to do with, um, excessive caution, I'm not going to go to Las Vegas and put myself in there. Um, uh, but I'm sorry not to be on the ground there talking to, uh, exhibitors because this is a very trying, uh, time for them. Um, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, if you could clarify, uh, cause I know you're tracking this searchlight and Fox had their own deals that were set up at Fox and they've gone over to Disney and their films are being released in different ways uh, than the, the Disney movies. Can you explain what's going on there? Uh, as I understand it, and it's not complete and total, and I've learned a lot more with the discussion on Free Guy, uh, Fox had a deal. You know, there's, there, there's films released, you know, before uh, COVID, the pattern was films released in theaters. 
uh, after 10 weeks or so, films could go on premium VOD for 19.99 or more. Or in a couple of weeks later, regular VOD, standard priced, plus Blu-ray uh, uh, DVD retail started. That was the window. Uh, then, so that's two tiers. That's theaters and that's initial uh, paid, you know, uh, home uh, viewing. Then the next level is uh, premium cable, HBO, Showtime, whatever. Uh, usually eight, nine months after the initial release. Uh, all studios have had deals with cable operators back when cable was, you know, a, a big deal. Uh, and that's what and, took them so long to go to streaming. They were unwilling right, to give up that incredible lucrative Right, right. I mean, uh, that, that was money. A, a, yeah, and, and it was reliable. And, and it's, anyway, Fox's deal apparently was with HBO. So Free Guy, under the current agreement, which expires sometime early next year. I don't know what the date is, and I don't know if the expiration is based on um, theatrical release dates or when it would be available normally for, for cable. Uh, Free Guy is HBO's to play, uh, I presume, after uh, eight or nine months, uh, unless they're given leave to play it earlier. Uh, but that doesn't preclude that there can't be PVOD and VOD beforehand because that's an intermediary step. And Disney hasn't spoken about that. What we do know is it can't be PVOD via uh, Disney Plus. It could just be normal standard uh, premium video on demand. So they could uh, like, go to Hulu if they wanted to. I'm not sure about that. Uh -huh. uh, uh, which, they did, which they did with Nomadland. It, it, it may be different. Yes, you're right. That's a very apt point. It just may be that Searchlight has different deals than uh, uh, than than Fox did. Uh, that that would. But it looks like be, they have some pretty straightforward theatrical exclusives going on for the moment. Yes, Searchlight does seem to be set for that. Uh, that's the indications I've gotten from them. Uh, I would assume, like everything else, it's a work in progress. But they're, you know, and again, this goes back to to talking about you know, Oscar awareness and visibility. Uh, I expect that uh, Searchlight and Neon and A twenty four and Sony Picture Classics, for certain, and uh, Focus within the uh, their their specific pre week out normal. Uh, PVOD, but that might be universal, flexible. right? That 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 the main contenders this year that aren't initially uh, streamer based are going to attempt uh, for this year uh, something like traditional platforming. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. it'd probably be forty five days windows rather than than what it was before. Do you think it's going to be traditional platforming, or are they going to go with the wider releases? Well, I think doing you know, I think pandemic? it's going to be a variation of traditional. Instead of and, and actually, Fox and, and, and Searchlight actually, going back years, has had top films opening up in five or six markets rather than just New York, L.A. And with the problems in New York and Los Angeles right now, particularly in Los Angeles, the ArcLight Hollywood. Appearing over like there it is the going other to be day open. with boards over it. It was so yeah. sad to see. Yeah, I mean, the, the expectation is it's not going to be a player in the award season. Uh, people hope it's opening by the end of the year. I wouldn't count on that. I do expect it to reopen at some point. But, uh, uh, you know, it's 
I, I, I think you're going to see maybe 10, 10 theaters open up uh, French and cities open up French dispatch and then elevate to 25 the next week and 50 the week after. Uh, and which is, you know, which is better for the despecialized theaters than these, you know, thousand, two thousand wide releases, yeah, that's good. which just yep. kill. I mean, it right. ends up with a gross that looks okay because it's it, the numbers add up, but it kills the specialized key theaters because they don't have exclusivity uh, anymore, and and it's all at once without the same amount of advertising that is spent for a wide release film. So everybody is lesser accordingly. But yeah, it's a work in progress. It's the type of thing that that we'll we'll see how it plays out when it's happening. And I would assume for most films, it's the type of thing that. So, um, so I'm really frustrated that I'm not going to be able to, um, you know, go there and, and report on the ground uh, what's going on because it's a pretty fraught uh, time. Um, what, 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 would you, what would you like to know if you were going to talk to these people about what's going on uh, and what their future is? What would you tell these exhibitors? Uh, what are they doing right and what are they doing wrong? And what are the studios doing to make it worse for them? Well, I probably would say learn from the past uh, and that that, you know, I mean, I, to state the obvious, one of the things that, that that's happened clearly with the uh, uh, the last year and a half is that studios have proven that they are calling the shots and that they can not necessarily do whatever they want to do because uh, there's a, a, an infrastructure of theaters that they still need to uh, take advantage of, but they have they control things and that the perception in the past was that you know distributors and theaters were half of the whole uh you know in retrospect had there been a agreement for a 45 day window uh set in stone that would have been stuck to uh post pandemic they would be better off than they are right now with all this mix mismatch of things going on i think that 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 they probably it's in their interest to have things clarified so that the public knows what the stages are because at this point any movie that opens up you google the film's title and is is x on netflix or is x playing at home every single film public is asking about that so there's some confusion but I think the thing I'm most curious about is what plans are going on for alternative uses of their real estate. Because you know, at the end of the day, movie theaters are a real estate business. They are a, a, a business with, with uh, uh, spaces that they rent and they need to fill up with paying customers. Uh, so what's so going to happen for with- alternative programming? Right, right, and that's in programming. I mean, and beyond programming, just opera or sports Uh, or you know, AMC is talking about they'd love to have rights to play NFL games, uh, so that they can have in a community people come and watch the game together. Now, there's a problem because NFL has its agreements with uh, uh, networks and cables, but they've been able to do this with some uh, in some big college towns Wrestling but, and stuff uh, and you. and yeah. so yeah i think you know to to sort of reinvent the idea of events that people want to do together as a group uh is something that you know in past decades when theaters closed when they were single screens you know they might become retail spaces they might become churches 
1416 auditorium theaters don't lend themselves to what they were in the past. So that, that would be a prime thing. My, so, so yeah, my, my prime interest would be non-movie related uh, Interesting. Uh, in, in the broader so sort of you, thing. You're pretty dour about, about where things are, are heading well, um, because some of this is just pandemic behavior. As, as you say, Warner's is going to change the window going, going forward. Well, here's, here's the thing. And you're aware of this as well. Uh, what the pandemic did is allowed the studios to move up the timetable of what they were planning to do anyway, by maybe five years. Uh, they were in their, you know, they were planning to set up their streaming sites that didn't pop up in the last year and a half. Disney plus was well underway in planning. Uh, HBO max was, you know, Paramount plus is a more recent one. Sony hasn't done anything yet. Peacock for universal is evolving, but all that stuff was, was happening and it's more advanced in the United States and Canada than it is in the rest of the world. Uh, so, you know, if I'm dour, it's because it's, you know, there's going to be fewer films released for theaters. Uh, there's going to be quicker alternatives and windows. And I don't know how that, how that shifts. I don't know what, what changes the dynamic. Now what theaters have done is that they've cut costs. They've cut show times. They've redone deals with some of their landlords because a lot of these spaces need to have theaters in their shopping malls. Otherwise it has a domino effect of everything else. So I, I, you know, there's going to be a less competition in some cases with some theaters closing. So it's possible that the average remaining complex might be able to operate film rentals gone down because of when you go streaming, that gets cut back. It's possible that theaters might be able to operate with 75% of the revenue they used to do it. You know, instead of the 11 billion plus years, maybe they can survive on 8 billion in the United States and Canada. Uh, although, you know, some of them, particularly AMC have huge debt loads that are become due within the next few years. And they're picking up other film, uh, other theaters while they're doing that. Well, they're picking up leases on on proven theaters that probably we don't know what the lease deals are, but they might be more favorable than they were for their, their previous, uh, uh, tenants but uh so uh, just to look back at the past as we wind up here um ira deutschman an old friend of both of ours uh from new york uh has has made a, a documentary um about the great uh walter rugoff the the exhibitor in in new york um and he has been sort of hand uh um, carrying it, it seems like uh, from theater to theater. I, I watch him on Facebook and and Twitter. You know, really uh, taking all of his knowledge of of the old uh, school uh, distribution handbook and just taking this around the country. Um, what do you make of this? And and what did you think of the movie? Well, I, I was fascinated by it because you know, I was some of some present at creation when uh, Don Rugoff was a, a exhibitor and distributor. And in fact, my initial so is it Don Rugoff and not Walter. It's Walter Reed and Don Rugoff. I gotcha. Go ahead. Uh, those were the two big players in, in, in upscale specialized in the, in the seventies in the late sixties and seventies in, in, in Manhattan uh, and, and Dan Talbot as well in the uh, more limited way. Um, he uh, cinema five, was a company and there have been ones before Joseph E. Levine with embassy had, had been big, you know, a few years before that, but Don Rugoff was, you know, as important for the evolution of specialized 
uh, as Miramax. Uh, what the, he had theaters in the Upper East Side, which were the prime exclusive platform theaters, and he went out uh, to had to acquire films. And his marketing finesse and picking the right films, uh, Putney Swope, uh, uh, with uh, Robert Downey's death recently, has been getting attention. Um, Z was a huge breakout. Monty Python later on, the, the uh, Lena Verpmuller films. Uh, he managed to elevate specialized into a little bit less of a niche and more of a uh, a breakout um wider uh, attendance sort of thing parallel to the growth of interest in in film that was going on in the 70s. Ira worked uh, for Don for a few years out of college and has now made this documentary. Uh, Rugoff was a, you know, had this huge rise and then big fall. And there was a mystery about where he ended up in life. So that's sort of the plot, part of the plot device of the film. There's, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a very quick story. My first year working, my parents sent out Christmas cards every year and I was the oldest child and the first one to get a full-time adult job. And, but they sent me a draft of it beforehand. I was working for a, a theater owner in Chicago as a film booker. And the first draft was, we're very proud. Tom is working for an exhibitionist in Chicago. Uh, and <laughs> it's, it's, I had to explain because people don't understand that there's theaters and distributors are different. There's retail and there's wholesale and there's very little stuff that's out there in documentaries or in fiction or in storylines about how the movie business works. So it's anybody who's curious about, about that and also about a different era, which is much different from today, it's really a fascinating inside look that still has general audience uh, uh, attention. Uh, it's, uh, uh, and then, you know, there's a mystery about, uh, uh, you know, because Rugoff had fallen out of, of sight after his business collapsed in the 80s. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's playing in a lot of specialized theaters. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, just the title Searching for Mr. Rugoff, R-U-G-O-F-F. So you can Google that. There's a website. Uh, and I would assume that it will have interest down the line on niche home places uh, like, like, Criterion or, or uh, Turner Classic Movies would be ideal for either of them later on. But I would encourage seeing it in the theaters because the way that the film's set up is that it's it's getting some extra benefit for all the theaters because Ira is very much committed to keeping specialized theaters going and alive. Uh, that so. he is. And we can applaud him for that. Thank you, Tom. This was most uh, wonderful and erudite and, and enlightening, and I knew it would be. And uh, we'll have you back on uh, another time. Always fun. All Bye. right. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.